Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I'm Sarah. And I'm Beth. We are lawyers, mothers, and host of the bipartisan podcast, Pantsuit Politics. Just as we differ in political philosophy, we've arranged our lives in very different ways, from our careers to where we live to our choices around marriage and family. But we have more in common than divides us. In a world that increasingly defaults to false dichotomies, we explore the messiness of living wisely. Choices, trade-offs, priorities, and grace of living a nuanced life. We're so excited that Kendra from The Lazy Genius is here today. Kendra, I first found you when I was searching for a sane way to have a bullet journal, a sane way, Mm -hmm. meaning Mm -hmm. a way that worked in the life of a person who is not super crafty and was just trying to get through my day job every day. And I found your post about treating a bullet journal like a potato. (laughs) And I was like, simplicity life hacking and food. I love this woman. Yeah. And then I started listening to your podcast and was crazy about it. And so we are so thrilled that you're here. Then she got me hooked on your podcast. Then I was all about it as well. I'm so glad. I'm so glad. And actually I was wondering, my husband asked me last night, he said, how, so how did they find you? I was like, I don't know. Now I'll get to tell him it was the potato. It was the bullet journal is the potato. That's how they did. Well, and then she started raving about your, um, kitchen cleanup which I have adopted the clinch and cleanup order with the zones and the fridge zone and the cleanup zone Love and the sweeping. Mm. Now I am, I'm still, I, I went through all your cleaning ones and I'm so excited about your upcoming summer series, which I'm going to have yeah. to have you tell us a little bit about, but I'd be happy to the, the cleaning one. I'm still struggling with your, the cleaning up the room, the piles and moving the piles around. I'm going to keep at it. I'm not ready to give up yet. I believe you. But I'm, I'm on a little bit on the struggle bus with that one. I tell you what, though, there is no one way to do anything. That's There's so just true. not. I mean, y'all know this. So if it doesn't work, like, because I, I feel like, I feel like, Sarah, you and I are wired similarly in we a lot are. of ways. Oh, my God. I'm so and glad you so, recognized that because we are. When I was listening <laughs> to it, I was like, get out of my head. Get out of my head, man. So I really think, honestly, like, sometimes we just move too fast for piles. Yeah. We move too fast yes, for piles. Yes, yes, yes. And here's so the thing, okay when you you say it so many times on the podcast, like it doesn't work for you, but like I'm an Enneagram one and my brain is like, no, there is a right way. She must have found it. So do it her way. There may not be a right way, but there is a best way. Right. I will definitely try right. to find the best way I can for yes. sure. So, but no, I would say you need to find your best way. And if the piles from the rooms don't work, it's just because sometimes like, because we also have similar a kid situation Mm -hmm. and there are so many different kinds of things on the floor at the end of the day that it's almost like I have 17 piles. What am I doing? Like just do what you need to do, man. It's fine. I feel you. So one of the things that you love Kendra and talk a lot about on your podcast is food. 
And we wanted to talk today a little bit about the lazy genius approach to enjoying food because it's hard to enjoy food right now. It's so stressful what we should eat, what we shouldn't eat, how much time we have to prepare it or not, where we buy our ingredients, something we've been talking about on Pansy Politics. So we just need you to fix our situation. How do we enjoy food in the modern world? I'm sure you I can. Love, hit, I'm sure you can that. tackle this in approximately like what twenty to thirty minutes. It's not. Right. It's no, like it's a big fine. topic. It's fine. This is not a tall order at all. No. Um, when you asked this question, Beth, earlier, I I was really. It just reminded me of how great you guys are because you find different approaches to things that no one has asked me. Like no one's asked me that question before. I've been talking about food for a long time and no one has quite put it into the words of like, how do we preserve? I think that that was the word you used, Beth, was how do we preserve the aspects of like food as art and care and all Mm. those things without going crazy? And I was like, that's a beautiful question. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. So, um, in, uh, of course, because I am an Enneagram one, I have points, man. I've got points that we can like try to talk about. At least there's one, maybe there's one that, um, if you're listening that you can remember one thing to take away that can kind of help put this into a bit of a framework. But I just think, honestly, I think the, the best place to start is that, um, the table and the gathering is more important than the food. Mm. And I just think that we get hung up on too many things and then we get hung up on the wrong things. We go in the wrong order. That's just sort of how I see most situations is we start in the wrong place. And so we're starting with, well, I need a meal plan and I need to find out where I'm going to get my chicken and all of those things. When really, if we can start with the table and the aspect of the gathering, the food is really secondary. And then it allows you to give kind of attention to the food, um, in it's like appropriate time, you know, it puts it in its kind of appropriate place or whatever. I just think, okay. So think you guys think like, think about a meal experience that you have loved. Does something pop into your mind? So many, I have so many meals. I love many. Okay. So like, what are some aspects? I'm just like personally curious. So what are some aspects of those meals that you have loved that you remember? Do you want me to go first, Beth? Or do you want to go first? Yeah, go right ahead. Okay. So when I moved back to Paducah, I had this vision in my head of, don't laugh, the Sopranos. Okay. Not. I mean, I'm going to laugh a tiny bit just because. I mean, not like the killing part or the mafia part, but the part where Carmela always had her parents and Tony's mom, not really that much because she does super early, but spoiler alert, um, over <laughs> for Sunday dinner. And they had like a big Sunday dinner. It was a big deal. So I was like, when we move back to Paducah, we're having Sunday dinner. That's a thing that I want. And my kids, like it said, it has this very like traditional, I just, it pushes on my buttons. Okay. So every Sunday night, my parents and my grandmother come over for Sunday dinner. And, you know, sometimes it's stressful because I have three little kids and they don't want to like sit and eat and, and participate. But often it's just like it's such a manifestation of what's important to me, spending time with my kids, my kids spending time with my parents, like multi-generational, everybody talking. We talk about politics a lot around this table. Um, we talk about our community. We talk about each other and each other's lives. My husband is also a phenomenal cook. So we eat really like good nutritional. There's not a lot. Like when I was growing up, we ate pizza every Sunday night for delivery pizza and watched Lois and Clark, The New Adventures of Superman with my man, Chris Dean Cain. Shut up. Okay. Dean (laughs) Cain was plastered on my wall for like five years of my life. 
I adored him. You know Stop that it. I live 15 minutes from Metropolis, Illinois. They have a Superman festival. He came. No. I brought my no. eighth grade life list to meet Dean Kane. He signed it. He gave me, I'm going to send you this picture and you're going to die. You're just going to keel over. He has got me in a full embrace. We are like soulmates. It is one of the top 10 moments of my life. I'm not kidding. I'm trying not to cry right now. It like is, I'm trying not to cry. You're going to die. for you. And mm. like also like severe jealousy that uh, that did not happen he was in so, my life. Oh, I it was the best hug. This. It was the best hug of my, okay, not my life. I love my husband and my children. Top 10, <laughs> top 10. I'm not kidding. Okay. Well, back on the thing. So pizza Sunday night used to be pizza, and pizza Clark, but now, and now it's like, it I really want it to be family. around a table and the food is always nutritious. And I also feel just on another side tangent that like the being present with the adults eating whatever my husband cooks and my husband cooks Indian food and roasted chicken and Asian food, whatever it is, is like a big reason I don't have any picky eaters because they come. We eat. You don't want to eat it. Cool. No dessert. Moving on. Everybody happy. But like, it's just a very, like you said, like, I never really thought about it that way. But the Sunday dinner are some of my favorite meals and some of my favorite things Nicholas cooks because it's really like he gets to experiment. I think that that's his like because he has a long time. He has Sunday to do it and to cook it. And it's not coming home from work or being rushed. But it's just it's all those things, right? It's like communal and it's relationships and it's teaching my kids how to do those things over food. Oh, yeah, it's so many good things all tied up. And if you notice when you started talking about that, it it was several sentences and points later before you actually got to the actual food. Yeah. You know, like you knew I want to gather with my family around the table on Sunday night, kind of like the Sopranos. Kai, Kai, like you Kai had the, the table. The table was the first thing. That yeah. was the first thing. And the gathering was the first thing. And so I just think that, see what happens. You could have the most delicious, nutritious, like all the things the food could hit all the points. And it was bought by like your next door neighbor farmer or something. And if you make it and focus on it and spend all this time and you sit down and there is people are like complaining, like you mm-hmm. resent people for not uh, enjoying the food mm-hmm. or like if you make the food first, right, then you're going to like, it doesn't matter what you serve. Like it right. doesn't make any difference. And so I just think that that is where we need to start is that the food is secondary, honestly, that the table and the gathering is the first thing. And I realize that there are a lot of people who live alone or um, they, you know, don't, they don't have a dozen people to gather around mm-hmm. a big table, but that that's okay too. Like, I think that we can be just as intentional mm-hmm. with ourselves. Like, even if you're just home alone, it's like, I'm going to put my food in a, in a pretty bowl on a pretty plate, or just like there is intentional, uh, there is intentionality about connecting with yourself, yes. connecting with just one person. Like it starts with connection. It starts with the, the gathering of the people, however many there are, or just your own soul and connecting there. And when food is part of that connection, um, there's just a, a deep rootedness to it. But it's not about the food. That's mm-hmm. not really where it starts. So I think that is kind of like, that's kind of the first thing. I totally yeah. feel that. What about you, Beth? What about your meals? Well, I was thinking as you were talking about how my favorite meals are with just my little family, the four of us, when we, exactly as you're saying, Kendra, kind of prioritize the setting. So if we light a candle, a lot of times we'll turn on classical music and use nice dishes, even though we're just eating sandwiches or whatever, and really sort of set the scene for let's sit together and have a nice dinner. And in my family, at dinner every night, we go around the table and we each say what our favorite thing of the day was, mm-hmm. which is sometimes hilarious how my two-year-old responds. <laughs> um, she often responds with things that did not happen that day. They happened but it's last day. Last day. 
Yeah, it's still fun to hear what's on her mind. And it's really funny how she wants to control that process. Like if I say, hey, Jane, what was your favorite thing today? My two-year-old Ellen will say, no, mommy, I ask. Jane, what was your favorite thing today? And she says it's a very interrogatory kind of voice. But anyway, um, yeah, so I I agree that it it is a lot. I never thought of it that way, but it is so much about the atmosphere we create more than what we put on the plate. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean, that doesn't mean at all that I'm just saying like, eat whatever. Like, I mean, you can't eat whatever. Like I have no judgment, but that's just not where we want to start. If you start there, you're going to end up disappointed. Um, but if you start with the connection, you rarely will be because if you move into a moment desiring connection and that's, that's what you're leading with, more than likely you're going to connect with that person unless it's just like a meanie. <laughs> with, and no matter what food you put in front of them, you're not going to connect. So if you lead with connection, you're going to, it's going to be met at least a little bit positively. So, um, but that I, yeah, go ahead. It's so interesting though, how symbiotic the relationship, I'm just thinking about like between the food and the connection, if, if it's in a really good relationship with each other, because, you know, I think that the way in which like sometimes we eat things that are our favorite things and we talk about how they're our favorite things or sometimes we eat things that are new and that's a source of connection. Do you like this? Like often we eat new things. Do you like this? What do you like about it? What do you not like about it? Whereas, again, I'm not mad. I'm like my mom. But like the eating the pizza every time, it didn't it didn't lend itself to that. And it was so easy to eat it out of a box and to just sit and go and do our own things and not, you know, like. I think food can be such an such a good sort of fertilizer for that connection if it does if it makes you feel good and it doesn't make you feel crummy and if it's um, exciting to prepare and if everybody's eating the same thing don't I'm not, not gonna get on my soapbox about that um, but like you know that that I think there is that like you said like as long as it's not leading the way though I do think it can really like help grow that connection and be a source of. Um, the community around the table. Absolutely. And I think, it, and just to put another soapbox, maybe next to your quiet soapbox yes. about not eating the same things all the time. Just, I, I do think that there is such a, um, there needs to be no repetition shaming mm. because what happens, what happens with all the things, like all the things that we choose to do, especially as moms, like y'all talked about it on in so many ways. Like that's so much of what this show I feel like does for me, at least is it kind of gives a voice to like, okay, what is it like to be a person and also a mother at the same time? Mm-hmm. And it's a really hard, it's a, it can be a really hard thing um, to have those exist at the same place. And I just feel like m- most of my audience are moms and they feel shamed everywhere All they go. The like every decision gets shamed. And so I, um, I agree with you in theory, 100% that like, I like to eat different things. I, I love that. I love to experience new things. I like to experiment in the kitchen, all that kind of stuff at this point in my life. And this kind of leads me to another point, I suppose, is that tiny steps are so important. Tiny steps really, really matter. If you're in a place, dear listener, where you are rotating frozen chicken nuggets and spaghetti and taco night, and, you know, picking up Chick-fil-A or whatever it is that you're doing and you're rotating those things and you are feeling guilty about those things. I want to put my arms out in, in a internet hug and tell you that it's okay to do that. And that you're not a bad person for doing that. If you desire something different, if you look ahead at like Sarah, say where you are, where like my husband does all this cooking and it's all these different things and it's so exciting and it, it makes my kids not have picky eaters. So if you're on the other side of that listener and you hear those things, 
guess what? You don't have to feel bad for where you are. Mm -mm. What you can do there's, and I know that that's not what you're trying to do either. Mm -hmm. Um, Sarah is it's like, you just take one step. If you desire to be in that place, don't look at it and be like, Oh, I need to do that completely tomorrow. No, you do not. You do not because you will fail and then you will feel worse. Mm. So I think that tiny steps in this whole thing of preserving the art and the connection around food, tiny steps are so much more important than big ones. Oh, so I, it's and I wasn't like, talking about repeating meals. I was talking about short ordering cook for everybody around the table. Like everybody oh, right. around the table is eating Gets something different. Want. And that's just because mm-hmm. I ain't got time for that. I don't do that. No, I used to do that. And I was mm. like, this is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have time to do this at all. I am a short order cook at breakfast because I yeah, like I am that. Too, I like to sort of like I am too, take actually. the orders. And people There's should be really honored for their egg preferences. People have egg preferences and you it's genetic. I think your egg preference is genetic. I feel like that needs to go on a t-shirt. Everyone should be honored for their egg preferences. I do feel very strongly (laughs) about that. But my husband is one of five. So my mother-in-law was not playing. Like, what was she supposed to do? Y'all, that's seven meals. Like, no way. Totally. So I just think that there is um, something really important about seeing that this is a long game. Like Mm. gathering around your table is such a long game. Like if you do that, I mean, I'm terrible at math. I mean, I think it's like, it's like a solid what, like well over 5,000 dinners that you have, like with your kid before they like leave for college, let's say, like yeah. typically, that's a lot of dinners. Yeah, that's a I'm, lot of dinner. I'm all about the repetition during the week. I feel very passionately about Taco Tuesday. I just think we should institute <laughs> that worldwide. It's easy to remember. It's alliterative. Everybody just do Taco Tuesday. 100%. We do pasta Mondays. I like it. Um, we like, we just always have pasta on Mondays. But, but what I, I think what we're all saying is at, um, at some point we're going to find a place in our dinner, um, approach that we feel shame about. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to carry that shame because this again is a long game. You can't make these massive changes that you desire when your kids are like two, four, and you have one on the way or you're working super, super late and you don't get to see your, like your kids are in daycare and you get home and you want to spend time with them, not argue mm-hmm. about like what you're trying to get out of the, all the things. Like, so I just want to encourage everyone part of the preservation of this, of, of food and gathering being art and love and care is that one tiny step makes a huge difference. And mm-hmm. you can do the same thing, like lighting that candle, like you were saying, that's about that. lighting that. the candle. If you just right now say, I'm going to light a candle when we sit down to dinner every time, it's kind of like an opening ceremony of dinner, you know, like the candle is lit. We are gathered around the table, no matter what's in front of us. Mm -hmm. And we're going to have dinner that what that does, those tiny steps, those tiny steps of intention, they snowball into other steps of intention. And then before you know it, you are at a place where you are doing all these things that you once thought were never possible. You just have to give yourself time to do them and do them one tiny step at a time. Absolutely. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Another idea that I had thought, and, and this is a mentality that I carry into a lot of areas of my life, is that food is not a zero-sum game. Oh, like if you, I need a tattoo. If you, 
if you, <laughs> nothing is a zero sum game, but food, especially, cause here's what I do. Here's what I do. I get motivated to bake homemade bread, mm-hmm. right? And mm-hmm. I'm stoked about it. And I'm going to, I'm going to serve my family and they're going to mm-hmm. be so cared for cause they're smelling homemade bread. And it's amazing. And I'm using my hands and I'm of the earth yes. and I make the bread. And then when we run out of the bread, I'm like, well, I guess I need to make more bread, <laughs> you know, like it becomes this thing where I'm like, oh, well I made bread. I guess I have to keep making bread. That's not the case. You guys, it's not the case. Like we food, like if you make one amazing meal that sort of encompasses all the things that you want dinner to be, there is a candle lit. There's beautiful, healthy food that you made from scratch. Everyone is like happy and chatting around the table and all the things. If you do it one time, you don't need to carry the pressure of recreating that every single time you sit down. It doesn't have to be like a zero sum game. It's not an all or nothing thing. Like Bake bread one time and then bake it a year later. It's okay. Like, it's really okay. Every choice that you make is going to matter, but they, and they do kind of build on each other, but you, it doesn't have to be this like precarious tower of, oh, if I don't, you know, put this block in here in this particular place and everything is going to come crashing down. No, nothing's going to come crashing down. It's dinner. It's going to be okay. I really appreciate this. I am on a hiatus from good cooking, I feel like, because I have these two kids who don't appreciate anything that I think is an accomplishment in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. It's just not what they want to eat. And like you, Sarah, I don't do everybody having a different meal. Um, Chad and I are very big on here is what we have. We will all be thankful for it. We will all try it. And so our meals have gone very simple. Chad cooks a lot. Um, And I really miss my kitchen time. And there are times when I think, gosh, like I, I'm a really good cook and I am not cooking right now. I'm just putting together things that the children will eat. But I've been trying to think of it just as a hiatus. I will come back one of these days. I will make the bread. I will do all the things. I just have to do that at a moment when they'll enjoy it more than they do right now. But right now it is, it is not worth the fight over the time to spend in the kitchen and it's not worth the disappointment I feel when people sit down and are like, oh, what is this? Instead of, wow, mommy, impressive, you know? Hey, why yeah. are they so rude? They're always They're so, so rude. rude. Tiny children. Um, Beth, do you have like, do you have to tell yourself that kind of on a regular basis, like each time at dinner? Or is that sort of like a one decision mentality? And then it sort of stuck with you. Somewhere in between those two things, it comes around, you know, I'll have moments when we're sitting at dinner eating um, a frozen vegetable that we've heated up in the microwave. And I'll think I can do a lot better than this. (laughs) And then I kind of give myself the discussion about, but I choose not to right now. And here are the very good reasons why. And someday I will do that again. Amen, man. Just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. Like there are, that's the tattoo I need sister (laughs) story of my life. Well, and here's the thing, like when I, this is the, this reminds me of a thing about feeding my children that started from the very beginning. The, the, infamous breastfeeding versus formula debate and I was breastfeeding my children and I was over at a friend's house who I knew was also a, a breastfeeding mother and was feeling very, but we have a lot of friends who formula feed so there was like this very tension situation and she had formula in her pantry and I was like oh you know I was a brand new mom very proud of my best and I was like what are you formula and she was like uh for the babysitters and I'm like hold on what you can just do both and she was like yeah <laughs> when it's easier you can just give them formula 
And the rest of the time you can breastfeed. And I was like, tell me more about this. Like, I felt like I'd signed some contract (laughs) in which I had to do one thing and one thing only and never cross the other line because I'm an Enneagram one. And this is what happens every time I eat. Like, I was listening to the the Enneagram podcast, The Path Between Us, and she was saying, ones, the voice in your head is always better, 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 better. So every time I sit down to eat, my brain goes, this could be better. Like, if I'm eating a salad, I'm like, yeah, but is it a local salad? Is it a (laughs) pesticide-free salad? Like, it doesn't matter what I'm eating. In my head, although I do feel like I don't do that when we sit down for Sunday dinner. Whatever Nicholas feeds us because mm-hmm. he prepared it and because we're together, like, I'm not thinking, I'm not going through the, I'm not nutritionally assessing my food. That's what I really wish I could do is just not constantly be beating myself over the head with, it could be better, it could be better, it could be better, less sugar, less sugar, more protein, more fiber. Are you getting your, oh, it's exhausting. It could be better is what is my tattoo and I need to get it removed. Oh my like that's God. the problem. Um, do you, so is it about the, is it about the nutrition part? Is it about the the health aspect of it that mm-hmm. bothers you? Or are there other things that are need to be better about no, it? No, because I do like, I like to eat. So I'm not a person who like will just, I like to eat oh, so many things. Like I like to eat how it has to taste good. Also, like, I like efficiency. Like, I don't cook. I don't enjoy cooking. I'm not taking it up anytime soon, okay? Like, it's not happening. Um, So it needs to kind of be easy to get. But then if I, like, go out and buy some of the nutrition, then my brain's like, you shouldn't spend money on this. I mean, it is. My brain is a scary place to be, y'all. It is, especially around food. And I think, you know, I grew up with parents who were very overweight, who lost a dramatic amount of weight when I was in high school on a, like, y'all, they ate inch slice, inch thick slices of lunch meat warmed up in the microwave it was i don't like that so, were these the atkins days Is yes that what they were doing? i think it I, it was like yeah. they didn't call it atkins it was before that but that's what they they would eat that no bread and i mean when it was would... like hey for snack roll up bologna with cream cheese in the middle yes. as a roulade <laughs> yes yes and they would i mean my stepdad lost like 175 pounds it was bananas wow. and my mom probably lost close to 100 pounds and I like I watched them and my mom was always on me like, do not ever gain this weight. Do not gain this weight. Like you'll be try- you'll be fighting it the rest of your life. Like it was in my head about it all the time. And so I think there's a part of that's like that's like deeply embedded in my psyche. And it's my mom was really good. Like she didn't body shame. She didn't talk nasty about her body. So I don't have body issues, really. But I like I do constantly feel like food and I are in this complex relationship where I'm like, I love you. But like, also, you'll you could be bad. Like, it's this, it's so complex. Well, it's and it's hard. the other side of things for me, Sarah, because I grew up seeing food as an expression of care. Mm-hmm. We made when somebody was sick, we made a casserole. Yep. Right. If if somebody is down and out, we're sending some mint brownies over to them. If you do, if and you do I good, that's... you go for ice cream. Yes, 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 yes. yes. The celebration. It's how we grieve and how we celebrate. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's why I struggle with that sense of, gosh, I'm not, I'm not taking all this time to prepare food for my kids because they don't see it that way. You know, it's a, mm-hmm. it's a transaction that is imbalanced. Mm-hmm. And I wonder, you know, aren't we all seeking like the beautiful combination of those things? Because yes. food in a lot of ways, I mean, it is a transaction mm-hmm. because we need it to survive and we need, you know, like if sometimes I see like different foods with scores, you know, like this is a yeah. hundred, this is like the most this healthy is like thing. A plus food. This is what A plus yes. people eat. Right. Exactly. But then like it, what you just said, 
this is what A plus people eat. And then if you eat a D food, are you a D person? Yes, you know, yes, like you that's are. what you feel. That's, what, that's what you feel. Exactly. That's what our brain says. Or the other way where it's like you, because I grew up in a similar way, actually kind of, kind of to both of you where food was like such a source of comfort. And I, here we go, not to get super deep, but I'm about to. So my, my upbringing was, was not an easy one. And it was an, it was an abusive household for the first few years of my life. And, and I was, I was alone for a lot of the time. Mm. And, um, and so food was like my friend, you know, like it really was Mm. my friend. And so sometimes it feels like when I swing to the other side because I'm a swinger. I'm a, like a pendulum swinger. Like if something is on one side, I go super extreme to the other side if it's not working. And there's not a whole lot of gray in my life. It's like very binary. And so I swing to the other side of like, well, food is a transaction and it's like calories in, calories out. And, da, da, da. and then what I felt like I was betraying this thing that had given me such comfort and such mm-hmm. life and such companionship for a really hard time in my life. And it was like, I don't want to just there's gotta be a better way. I don't want to just let that go or just swing super far one way or the other. Like it doesn't matter what we eat or it completely matters every single bite that you eat. Like Mm -hmm. there's got to be a middle place and I'm kind of seeking that middle place right now. But I think that that's part of this question of like, this is what we want to preserve because food is art. Eating is such a gift when we are eating, even if we're eating alone, if we're eating with other people, like it feasts and it's such a grounding thing. Like from the simplest meal, just breaking bread with people all the way up to these really elaborate, um, like your Sunday dinner, you know, like gathering all the people or Thanksgiving. Like that's one of the reasons we love Thanksgiving is because there is such a rootedness in it. There's such community. The food is plentiful and lovely and intentional and on purpose. And I just am still trying to seek how to feel the way that I feel say around Thanksgiving every meal. Mm -hmm. Because I don't know, I don't know that I believe that that is a special occasion in a lot of ways, like, well, like a cheat day or any of those kinds of things. Like for me personally, if I give myself that sort of structure and those kind of labels, then everything gets labeled Mm -hmm. and then some things become bad and some things become good, you know, like all that. So that's why doing these tiny steps, like just moving towards just a liturgy around the table. Like that's really what I, what I want is for there to be some sort of intentional liturgy around my table and I have to move towards it one tiny step at a time. And that that's okay. It's okay that it's slow. It's okay that it's small. It's okay that it feels insignificant, but it's such a long game. And so it's important to keep things just sort of in a really gracious perspective um, because there is just strangely so much shame around this and it makes me sad, but I've got it in my own life too. I think the best thing that happened to me is when I was a freshman the summer after my freshman year of college I spent five weeks in Italy and the just the food it, so much of our transactional sort of view of food is cultural and you know, the big expression is and you can say this about French and too but the Italians the Americans eat to live and Italians live to eat and we would right. go and we would have I mean we'd be there forever they eat so slow so like I picked up eating slow and I've never lost it I'm just a slow eater and a slow drinker like my coffee always gets cold but like slow everything stretched out everything was like every meal was a big deal especially dinner and I think it really helped me I think it came at a very sort of formative time and helped me push back so much of the 
American transactional and like I just watched my parents do this very structured transactional diet. And like I think it really helped sort of push that back some. And my husband, I met my husband really young and he is a very in his whole family are food lovers. And so I think that helped a lot. But I think, you know, we just read Beth and I read this book and we're gonna have the author on our podcast, Grateful by Diane Butler Bass. And I think that Thanksgiving thing is dead on. I think just now when I'm like in this spot where I'm like, okay, but both things are true, but what's the answer? And it feels so gray and it's such a struggle. Like I'm talking Middle East policy to how you feel about food. The answer is like gratitude. Just take a second and think, what is the gift here? What am I grateful for here? And I think sitting down to every meal instead of seeing it as a way to be better or a transaction, but just to think, aren't I? grateful for this. I'm going to cry for this. Sit down here and I have food to eat and it's good and it's, you know, it's mostly healthy or it's not. And I have the access and the resources to take something in quick and easy when I'm trying to take care of my family and do work that I love and be out in my community that I love. Like there's always, you know, she says gratitude isn't about being grateful for everything, but in everything. And so I think that if we could start sitting down by ourselves at, you know, whether you're shoving, you know, fast food down your mouth in your minivan on the way to a practice or if you're sitting down at a beautiful Thanksgiving dinner to just be grateful in that for having the food to nourish your body and keep it alive a little bit longer and keep that stomach from growling or whatever the case may be. I mean, I think that that I'm going to start working on that because I think that would definitely help me get out of my head about food as fuel transaction because I think that's exhausting. Not that I don't think we should think about that, because I do. <laughs> if both things are true. It is a way to connect with other people. It is also, it can, it is very much related to how you feel. Like, we were sold, in my personal opinion, a lot of crap for years that said exercise is how you make yourself feel better, and exercise is important. But food is huge in that equation. So it's just, you know, but even gratitude for knowing that, I guess. That's true. And, you know, I think if, if anybody kind of wants, like, a simple lens um, to – to look at this through because, you know, we haven't talked about a whole lot of like ingredient things yet. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that's necessary, but I think one thing that it has helped me is if you, when you sit down to eat a meal, if there is, make sure that there is something natural in your experience. Mm. So like if you're having, so if you're having a salad, like, like I just, you know, tomatoes are in season now. And so like, if I sit down to a plate like I did last night is we had tomatoes and grilled zucchini that we got at the farmer's market and like grilled chicken and non bread. And I, it's like this, I made tzatziki and it was sitting on the plate. And I was like, this is the most beautiful thing ever. And, but there was like bright natural food. Like I could see the food. I could see what the food was. Mm-hmm. So that was the natural element that was so life giving to me. Let's say you don't have that. Let's say that you are sitting with your kids and like, like we've got friends who they're two, my sister and some of our dearest friends, their AC has gone out both families within the last week. And it's like 90 degrees. And so you're not going to turn on your oven. You're going to have to like scramble and figure things out because you don't want to turn on your stove and all that. You are, you might just order pizza, Mm -hmm. but eat it outside, (laughs) like have a natural element. You know what I mean? Like light, put a, put a flower in the middle of your table, light that candle, like flame, water, plants. If your food doesn't have like some sort of obvious natural element to it, I think adding something of the earth kind of makes it so grounding and it, and it does kind of put you in the mindset of, of that gratitude. 
because you're rooted in something. Mm -hmm. I just think that that's, that's a word I always come back to is like, I just want to be rooted in, in my home in my community in my family around this table. And I think that nature, things that come from the earth help us do that. They're natural reminders for that. So that could be kind of like a practical way of seeing what's at your table. I love that. And I feel like it gives a different and much more positive spin to the idea of comfort food. Mm -hmm. It makes me sad a little bit that we talk about comfort food as though it's for the weak willed and that comfort food only means sitting down with a big bowl of mac and cheese with bacon sprinkled on top. And I think that it, especially as we learn more about mindfulness, there is nothing more grounding than putting something in your body and enjoying all of the senses that come up around that experience of eating. And so I love the idea of making sure there's something natural in that process, because I think that gets to what comfort food really can be instead of making comfort food just mean all the butter. Well, it's almost (laughs) like the difference between self-care and self-comfort that we talk about. Like, Mm. I think sometimes we talk about food when what we're really talking about is self-comfort or food with particular, like a biological effect that happens that really does just, I eat certain like super sugary chocolatey things and the first bite into my mouth is like a pink, it's like the pinball. It's like, I can feel all my pleasure centers lighting up. Whereas opposed to like, that's a very different feeling than when I sit down and I eat like, like you said, like a like beautiful, you know, Lots of fruits and vegetables, even if it's like, let's say like a fruit cobbler or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a, it's a, it's like the difference between sort of real, real deep care for ourselves and for our, the people around the table, as opposed to, because I do think you can use food to numb. And I mean, that's a thing that happens. It's a thing I do. Um, and I think that that's sort of the difference. And I think it's important to you to, to recognize that we all have different, like, tolerances like there's mm-hmm. certain foods that are going to make someone else's brain pinball and it's mm-hmm. not chocolate mm-hmm. or um whatever it is and so because sometimes i think we assign our particular uh, perspective on food to others or yes. if someone else says i just don't i just can't eat dessert after like seven o'clock because it makes my stomach hurt and i can't sleep i don't have to interpret that and internalize that as I'm a horrible human because I like to eat ice cream at night. Like I don't have to do that. I do sometimes, but I don't have to do that. And so I think that that's another thing too, is like, just because someone else chooses to perhaps abstain from a certain kind of food or eat a certain way or anything like that, that is different from what you choose. That does not mean your choice is bad. That just means that we all make choice. It's so neutral. It is Mm -hmm. so neutral and has no, no value judgment on any one person. Now, obviously there are like extremes of yes, exactly. Using food to numb. And like, I don't think that if you're in your house and you have to be pulled out by a crane, I don't think you have a healthy relationship with food. I think we would all agree with that, but there is still a place for compassion for that person. Mm -hmm. There is still a place Mm -hmm. for recognizing that comparing situations is not helpful. Like, you know, all those kinds of things. So if we can just be connection forward, if we can be connection focused, um, just as humans, but when it comes to food and the table, it, I think it, it starts to help put that food in perspective because the connection helps us see the person across the table from us. It helps us recognize that gratitude of like, oh, this is a lovely moment. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give thanks for it. You can see the connection with the f- food that maybe someone that you knew grew, or if you try and grow out single herb, like I can't garden. I, I want to so badly and I can't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like, I might try to grow 
one herb. And if I have like the tiniest leaf of parsley that I grew on top, it's like this, I'm going to be grateful for this single leaf that I did not kill. Like it's okay for it to be. Cause I remember you guys had, um, seasonal the, Sarah. Yes. That I listened to that interview and I was like, I had so many emotions, which I think a lot of your listeners did too. Cause I heard the follow up as well. And like, and I did, I, I received to no fault of anyone, but my own, I received so much guilt of like, I don't grow anything. I don't grow my own food. I don't, I don't, you know, and, and that's just not necessary for mm-hmm. us to take on those things um, that other people choose. We don't have to take on other people's choices, make your own choices and live in them in a rooted way and seek to connect. And I think that that just puts our tables in such better perspective as at least a starting point. It doesn't make anything perfect, but it certainly makes it better. And in that vein, let me say, sometimes eat the mac and cheese with bacon on top. Do it. Oh my gosh. Yes, please. I want to open a bakery, you guys. Like I, if I stopped eating sugar and butter and chocolate, my dream would die. Like Mm -hmm. that is what I Mm -hmm. love. So Mm -hmm. it's okay to love those things. It is 100% okay to love those things, but my brain doesn't pinball when I eat chocolate. Mm. So it's, it's, it's easier for me. You know, like it's not, that's not a choice that I necessarily have to make at this point. It might be later. It's not right now. So you know, it's it's all okay. I mean, my problem is that I this, this is my personal cross to bear. I like to assign moral authority to everything, like post-it notes, church clothes, breakfast foods, egg choices. You name it. I remember reading a Richard Rohr email one time, and he was like, "We don't have to assign moral authority to this." And I'm like, hmm, "Tell me more about that. But what do you do mean? We? But do That's we? how we don't talk. We about, isn't that how we live? Is we see people's like choices? It's so weird though, because I don't. I see like the choice is almost like a a being unto itself. Like I don't I'm not mad at anybody. Like you eat McDonald's three days with me. I don't care. Like I'm not mad at you. I don't think you're a bad person. I just put all the moral authority on like the food itself or the cho- like I'm like they're the devil. Like you're lovely. I'm sure you're a beautiful human being. But that hamburger is the de- like it has a demon living <laughs> in it. Like I just I don't know what it, it's my Enneagram one. I'm sure I like to blame everything on that. But like I just love I love assigning moral value to things that definitely do not need moral value added to them at all but it's just it's it's way my brain works i love that you said it's your cross to bear it's true we all have we all have our crosses to bear in this arena for sure we're living out our enneagrams in this episode because mm-hmm. as a two mm-hmm. obviously my hang up with food is am i caring for the people around me sufficiently right are yeah. you a one with well, a two wing kendra i are am you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i am I'm a counter type one as well. Oh, um, interesting. There's like the three types. There's like sub three subtypes in each type. We don't have to get into this because clearly. It's a whole thing. It's a whole It's, it's a, a whole podcast. Thing. It's not even a podcast episode. It is literally a, a whole podcast. podcast. Yeah. Like there's a podcasts. lot of them. Go look it up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I'm the, the counter type is the Enneagram one that has no trouble with anger. Like they can mm, access it just fine. Just nice. fine. Not, yeah, me too. Then that must be what I am because I'm also at. Um, can access anger easily. I think that that the caring though for people with food, like Beth was just talking about, is like that's that's so. I mean, just think of the Bermuda Triangle intersecting for women. So it's like food as exercising beauty ideals and body control and your value as what you look like to other people. That's awesome. And then then food as your value as serving other people and comforting other people and caring for other people. Like it food really is like the Bermuda Triangle of all these 
intersections of insane cultural messages we send to ourselves. Yes, it's true. And so I Kendra, say- in lazy genius fashion, I feel like you have solved this for us mm. because you gave us one focus on the table and the gathering, two tiny steps, make a big difference because it's a long game, three introduce natu- natural elements, and wrap it all up in grace. Do I have it? That sounds good to me. You did it better than I did. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> well, tell everybody what you're up to next and where they can find you. Well, you can, I'm mostly on Instagram. I, I have like a Facebook and a Twitter, but I never go there cause they made me sad. And so, um, I just am only on Instagram. I decided to essentialize my social media. So I'm on Instagram at the lazy genius and yeah, I'm on there a lot. I do stories a lot and talk about a lot of things. Can I say a lot a few more times? That'd be great. Um, and yeah, we've got, I've got this summer series coming out. It actually is started now and it's basically at first I called it a summer survival series. And then I realized I don't want to just survive summer. Mm. I want to enjoy summer. I don't want it to be this like panic stricken thing of like, get me through the summer. Like I, I want to enjoy it. And so it's summer strategy, summer strategy. So we are talking about it's four weeks of your mindset. We're talking about time. We're talking about how to kind of put together a summer routine and then just some ideas of how to how to get food on the table without making your house a sauna. Oh. Um, and just kind of the perspective on that a little bit. So, and then um, at the end of the month, um, at, on May, what's the last Monday in May 28th, I think, is like a big blog post with kind of all of it, like a giant guide and a lot, a lot of things I don't talk about in the podcast. So it's sort of like a one big, before summer begins, just go through this and you'll find like even ways to get sunscreen on your kids without oh, losing wow. your mind. So, um, so that's what I'm working on now. And that's been really fun. And I share this in a podcast episode, um, I guess last week, a couple weeks ago, I'm working on a book proposal <gasps> and that is really exciting. So Ooh. you guys know, you guys know all that stuff. So I'm really, I'm really excited. I am super, super nervous, but yeah, it's a fun, I'm just like trying to front load my summer and get so much work done so that I can just really deep dive and get this proposal done this summer when my husband's home for a few weeks. Cause he's a, he's a school counselor. And so he gets some time off in the summers, which nice. is great. And so I'm like, all right, when you're home, I'm gone. It's like, hi, I'm going to go do this. So that's like a personal project. That's really exciting. That is I'm so very excited for you. exciting. I want to say Kendra that, you know, I just had this massive life shift of going from commuting about an hour each way every day and working more than eight hours a day, um, to being self-employed and being a podcaster and whatever all the things in my life are now, you create one of the very few resources that is equally accessible and useful to me in both of those spaces. Mm, that I feel is a like compliment think, of the highest yeah, order. Oh my gosh, Beth, thank you. Cause that but it's true. I do. listen to your episodes about laundry and cleaning the kitchen. And I always feel like you are keeping in mind that we're all living different lives and dealing with different stresses and pressures. And so um, I think that's a really big deal. And I really value what you do. Oh, I really value you saying that. That means a lot. Thank you so much. I'm so glad. Well, thank you for being with us, Sarah. Is there anything? I feel like while she's here, we have to like get all the things out of the lazy genius's <laughs> mind. Is there anything else you want to talk about? I had a lot of like, yes, you are correct. I assign moral value to this opinion because I feel it is the correct opinion when I was listening to so many lazy geniuses um, several weeks ago. I sort of I, I binged them. Um, but as I'm an Enneagram op- uh, oriented into the present, I don't remember what any of those are because it was a little right. bit a while ago. <laughs> 
episode. Well, a good one, a good companion episode to this actually is The Lazy Genius Loses Weight. That's an episode that has been really, um, it's been the most popular, most downloaded by like a lot. And so if anybody's like, oh, next thing, like if it feels personal, it's not just the table. I will just go ahead and ask myself that question. Kendra, what would you suggest for someone who feels like they need to go on this journey for themselves? And it's not just about the table. And I would say a good place to start is to listen to the lazy genius loses weight. So yeah, because it is, it's like I said, I think there's just so much of the relationship. It's an individual. It's all the things, right? It's the Bermuda triangle, but there is so much individual deciding what makes you feel good. Like I just really thought as I got older, like my body would like build up like calluses and I'd be able to kind of be a little bit meaner to it. It is the opposite FYI, young people listening. The older you get, the more sensitive your body gets and it is some real crap. Like can't do anything you used to could do, can't drink even a little bit, although I, many of our listeners have emailed and said, since we're talking about food and drink, uh, try vodka. It doesn't feel as bad. So I'm going to try vodka for a little while, everybody. Oh, that's awesome. They kept, apparently it's cleaner. You don't feel as bad. We'll see. I'm a, I'll report back. I'm not a huge drinker, but I would like a cocktail every once in a while that didn't make me wake up at 3.30 a.m. like this. So um, all the, I think that that is that's just such a long personal journey to figure out, like, your own body, because I think you, you, I feel like for myself, it felt like, you know, you're growing up and you're watching adults and you're trying to figure it out. And our culture likes like rules. I like rules. So it was like, OK, but everybody has to follow these rules. And it's just this long pulling back the layers of like, yeah, that, that rule doesn't work for me or this rule works really well for me. Like our own bodies are just like such a universe of complexities as how they interact with food and hormones and our environments. And that is just that is a talk about a long game. Woo. It's true. Well, thank you so much for being with us, Kendra. We really appreciate it. Oh, it was such a delight. And I, I love you guys and what you're doing. And I never thought that I would like to hear people talk about politics, but I do because of y'all. So oh. I'm just really, I'm just really glad. I just love, I love both of your shows, but I have such a soft spot for Pansy Politics because it's like, it's this magical unicorn of like, oh my word, I'm informed. And I'm not angry or dumb. This is awesome. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's our favorite <laughs> review to ever get is when people are like, I don't listen to other politics. I never thought I would like to listen to politics. That's like the number one review we love to get. That's great. Well, thanks for having me on, you guys. This was great. Thank you, Kendra. 